Good morning. Uh, my name is Christine. I will be reading from Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 to 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them to, into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last one hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the, ele about the 11 hour came and each re received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last work only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is God's word. Oh, good morning to those of you watching at home, those in the hall, and of course, all of you here this morning. I do hope you did have a wonderful Christmas. I, I heard two very good comments, uh, interesting comments this morning. Uh, one of our members said to me, he's not yet brave enough to stand on the scales just to check his weight. <laughs> I think many of us can identify with that. And I heard another comment from another member who said to me, it looks like you've lost weight. That's my favourite member. <laughs> but of course, we don't have favourites here, nor do we care about body image here. But can you ever imagine the year that we've had? Could you have imagined that 2020 worked out the way it did? So hard to imagine, right? Could you have imagined that by this time of year, you're all over Zoom and to hear comments like, I can't hear you, you're on mute. You need to click that little logo, that little icon, I, I can't see you. Could you have imagined that that was the year we had? I, before this year, I did not hear of Zoom. And now many of you, even, even the senior members, are all on top of Zoom. And could you have imagined this year, watching services online? How strange an experience that would have been watching the little iPads. Maybe we'll just use this one. Watching the, the service on the iPads, 
from your laptop, from your computer, from the TV screen, singing to the TV. What a strange experience that has been. And for some of you who shall remain nameless, I hear, some of you watch the service in your pyjamas <laughs> with your coffee or tea, eating breakfast while watching the service as you listen intently to the sermon, I'm sure. You can't do that here, but you did that, some of you, who shall remain nameless. But what a year it has been. But perhaps a small note from me just before we look at this passage. And that is to say a big thank you to all of you. A big thank you to all of you for how you have persevered in faith, trusting in Jesus, being united as the people of God, expressing your love and service of each other in service of our King and Saviour. And so thank you for how you have persevered, for how you have demonstrated what a community of believers are meant to look like. And you did that. And so thank you for your love, for your faith, for your hope that you showed, and for the fruit of the Spirit which was so evident amongst you. And so thank you, and you did make the work of my work and Ollie and Michelle's a joy to be serving amongst you. And so thank you. I mean, could you have imagined the year, the way it began to end now like this together? And so we can thank God for that. But now let's turn to this passage. Uh, we'll pray and do keep your Bibles open and we'll have a look at it. Heavenly Father, as we consider this parable, we pray, Lord, that we'll hear not the words of a mere man, but the words of God himself and what we must hear and believe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, over the summer, as we've heard from Ollie, we'll be in, embarking on a new series, Stories with Purpose. We'll be considering some of the parables of Jesus. And parables, we know them to be everyday earthly stories. But Jesus told these stories not for entertainment, not to draw a crowd, not just because they're interesting, but he told these stories with a purpose. They all have a heavenly significance because they do teach us about how we are meant to think about ourselves, about this world, and also about God. And the first in our series is titled, The Grace We Have to Learn. The Grace We Have to Learn. And what is grace? Well, it is grace that sets Christianity as unique and different from all the religions of the world and all the different worldviews of the world. Grace is God's love to the unlovely, which means you don't have to be a lovely person to know God's love. Grace is God's unmerited favour to those who do not merit it, which means you do not have to earn God's favour to experience God's favour. And if we don't understand grace rightly, we will never understand God rightly. We have to understand grace. And so today I want to put it to you that the way as we meet today on the last Sunday of the year, the way we reflect on this past year, 2020, will reveal whether we have understood God rightly or wrongly. 
And now on this Sunday, looking back upon this year we've just experienced and had, I'm sure we come through this year with all sorts of feelings and experiences and reflections. And for some of us, it was a roller coaster, an emotional, physical, spiritual roller coaster, experiencing the lockdowns and then some freedoms and then the isolation, losing work, the uncertainty of job security, the uncertainty of financial security, and then not being able to meet with family and friends, and also having to decide who will be part of my bubble. It was a roller coaster of a year. For some, it was organising a wedding with all the restrictions. Such a difficult task. For some, it was organising a funeral with all the restrictions. It was a roller coaster of a year. But I want to ask you, as we reflect on 2020, do you think God, not your employer, not the government, not the people around you, but do you think God treated you fairly this year? Do you think God treated you fairly this year? It's not easy to answer, is it? Just reflect on that for a brief moment. Do you think God treated you fairly this year? Do you think you got better than you deserve? Or do you think you were shortchanged by God this year? What do you think? You see, many people, even Christians, when we come to think about God, we often do get it wrong. Because we come to God like he's Santa Claus or like any of the other religions of the world. We, we come to God on the premise that good things will happen to me if I'm good. And bad things will happen to me if I'm bad. If I scratch God's back, he'll scratch mine. If I behave, he will reward me. He will bless me. Even Christians come to God on those terms, as though there is some cosmic transaction, quid pro quo, something for something. But is that how God works? And so let me ask you that question again. Do you think God treated you fairly this year? Well, this parable will not only help us reflect on this year rightly, but this parable will help us know and understand God rightly. And so what do we see? If you do have your Bibles, do keep it open. Well, what we see here is really a simple story, a simple everyday story. A landowner goes out to hire workers to work in his field. He goes out five times to hire workers early in the morning, perhaps about 6 a.m., and then we're told the third hour, which is 9 a.m., and then 12 p.m., 3 p.m., and then 5 p.m. He goes out five times. Now, in a society where there were no trade unions, no employment contract, no job security, and no public welfare, getting any work was your livelihood. No work meant no food, meant no survival. You see, back then they didn't have the luxury we enjoy today where if you don't enjoy a job, you just quit and you find another one and 
between jobs you get or the public welfare, social welfare we get here in Australia. But back then, none of that luxury. No job meant no survival. In fact, day labourers, like what Jesus speaks of in this story, they had the least job security. Even slaves had it better, better because they were always provided for. And so in such a society, landowners could do what they wanted. They could underpay, they could exploit. There's no work, uh, work, uh, fair work ombudsman breathing down their necks. But in this story, we meet this landowner, and he is fair. Look at verse 2. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. A denarius was a day's wage. And so in Australia, what's a day's wage? Well, minimum wage in Australia is pretty high. It's about $150 a day. And so a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. Well, the first bunch of workers chosen early in the morning, who might they have been? Well, they would have been your fittest, your strongest. Earliest in the morning, the landowner goes out, he looks around, he scans around, I'm going to pick the strongest and fittest. They can work. Those who can do some intensive manual labour. And so you'll probably pick Ollie. He's pretty strong. He can do some chin-ups. Not as, not as much as me, but he can still do some. <laughs> you'll probably pick Winston. He goes to the gym. But some of you, oh, probably not yet. And so this landowner, the first batch he hired, the strongest, the fittest. And then he goes out four more times, 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. And do you notice with these other ones, there was no agreement on the wage. The landowner simply said, I'll pay you whatever is right. Now you have to imagine what these other workers would have been like those workers chosen later in the day. They would now be your leftovers that no other landowner wanted. And so you can just imagine, you know, if I'm the landowner, the big strong ones, Winston, Ollie, they're already at work and you're coming out at 12 and 3 and you're looking, who's left? I'm left with the leftovers, the weakest, the skinniest, well, by this time of day, this landowner settled with these workers. And then we come to the last batch. It's already 5 p.m. It's the 11th hour, we're told. It's where that language 11th hour comes from. It comes from the scriptures. It's almost the end of the day, and there's not much daylight left. And, of course, not much work left to do. But what happened? Look at verse 6 now. About the 11th hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Now, remember, these people standing around were desperate. They're not like your uni students who just woke up and had nothing to do. They were desperate. Verse 7, uni students on holidays, let me qualify that. Verse 7, because no one has hired us. And so he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Now you have to understand here, 
These were now the dregs of society, the weakest, the leftovers, perhaps an arm missing, a leg missing. They're the worthless ones that no landowner wanted to hire. But this landowner hires them anyway, with only one hour left to work. That's a story. That's a simple story. But it's a story with a purpose. And here it comes. Look at verse 8. It's pay time. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. It's interesting, isn't it? He begins in the reverse order. And so one by one, those started, those who started at 5 p.m., who only worked for one hour, what did they get? $150. For the least amount of work, $150. And then those at 3 p.m., $150. Those at 12, $150. Those at 9 a.m., $150. And now we get back to those who were the strongest, the fittest, those who worked the most, those who worked all day. What would they have been thinking? Well, we worked through the, the hot sun. We did 90% of the work. And so verse 10, we read what they thought. They expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. Now, what would you do at this point if you were one of those who worked all day? And you see these guys without a leg or an arm working for an hour, and they get the same as you. What would you have been thinking? Well, our human principle says quid pro quo, something for something, or karma, a different language. A day's work for a day's pay. They work the hardest. And you can just imagine them complaining, whinging, this is not fair. This is absolutely not fair. And so what did they do? Verses 11 and 12. They began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour. And you made them equal to us, have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. See, they complain, this is not fair. Absolutely, completely, utterly not fair. But was it unfair? Well, the landowner answered, verse 13, friend, which was a very nice way to address an employee. I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Or more literally, the translation is, are your eyes evil because I am good? It's a surprising ending, isn't it? This story, in fact, rubs against the grain of human principles. It defies reason and logic. That's not what you would do. You see, what we see here is not quid pro quo. Instead, what we see here is unreasonable generosity shown to those who deserve it the least, to the worthless workers no one else wanted, to the weakest workers who did the least amount of work, 
But do you know what we call that? We call that grace. Love to the unlovely. Unmerited favor to those who do not merit it. It is the grace we have to learn. But of course, there's more to this story. There's more to just that surprising ending. Because this parable of Jesus is teaching us a shocking lesson. What we must learn about God, about the kingdom of God. And he sums it up in the last verse. So the last will be first and the first will be last. And what Jesus teaches us here turns our thinking upside down. It turns our world upside down. It might even turn the way we reflect on this past year upside down. And the shocking lesson is this. The way we think about God and how God works is precisely not the way God works. You see, we're so different to God. Those who treat us well, what do we do? We treat them well. I mean, just reflect on your own heart. The Christmas presents you got this year. Some of you may have been surprised. Wow, so generous. I better do something good for that person next year. That's how we function. Those who treated us poorly, we treat them poorly. But not so with God. He does not need his back to be scratched by us. God does not need us to be fulfilled. And he did not need to treat the last workers, like in that story, so generously. But he did because God is the God of grace. And so do you see how even Christians can get this so wrong about God? Very easy for Christians to think, if I pray, and if I pray more, if I read the Bible and meditate on God's word more, if I attend church regularly and consistently, if I behave, if I'm kind, if I'm generous, if I'm that good neighbour who mows their lawns, then God owes me something for it. We might not say that out loud, but subconsciously I wonder if even Christians think that way. If I'm decent and good and moral, God owes me something for it. And if the rewards do not match my hard work, I'll be like those first workers and I'll complain, it's not fair. And so have you ever thought that way? Could that be the way you reflect on this year? Because the way we think God works is precisely not the way God works. You see, even if we all lived perfectly good, moral, decent lives, we would only be doing our duty as people made in the image of God. If you were to be a perfect person, that's your duty. You don't get anything from it. That's your duty as one made by God. It's just like at home. In my household, I'm, I'm the husband, I'm the father, and as the husband and father, I have a whole stack of responsibilities. And so each night, one, each, not night, 
each fortnight. It'll be strange as you hear why. Each fortnight, it's my responsibility to mow the lawn. So I do that each fortnight, not each night. <laughs> and each fortnight, I do it in style. I put on the working boots, the gloves, the mask, the hat. I take my time to trim the edges with the trimmer. I mow the lawn and it's looking great. All the leaves are gone, all the, all the grass clippings, they're all or in the bin, or blown away to the neighbor's place. <laughs> and it's looking good. And each time, I don't then walk back to Yvonne and I say to her, do you see how I did it? I did it in style. Do you see how good the lawn looks? Do you see how awesome I was? Wife, you owe me now. <laughs> and do you know what Yvonne would say? Well, why don't you also cook and clean and do the laundry and the ironing? And I know to be quiet. I keep my mouth closed. <laughs> but do you see, as a husband and father, as one in the household, that was my responsibility. You don't earn anything for doing that. And so as people made by God, even if we were to live the perfect, good, decent, moral life, that's our duty. We can never say to God, you owe me now, God. It's not fair when the outcome does not match the effort I put in. We'll just be doing our duty. You see, that's not how God works. This is how God works. God blesses because of his sheer unmerited favour. And so those of you who feel like you've had a good year, as tough as it was. Those of you who felt like it was, a, it was a good year, you did okay. It was not because you deserved it. It was because of God's sheer unmerited favour, God's blessing upon you. And God grants. In this story, it was only a day's wage. But do you know what God grants to those who trust in his Son? He gives them eternal life, life beyond the grave, out of his sheer unmerited favour. There's no way we can buy eternal life. All the money in the world will not be enough to pay for it. And we can get it out of his sheer unmerited favour. Yesterday I visited one of our senior members in the hospital and the prognosis is not very good. Not too sure how much longer. But where's her confidence? Her confidence cannot be in a life well lived. It cannot be. You cannot stake your life or your future upon that, a life well lived. Where can you stake your life? On grace. On God's free gift. On God's sheer unmerited favour. And that's the God we have. You see, God brings the likes of you and me. Perhaps we're just like those hired at 5pm with not much work to do because we really don't know how much longer we have on earth. But God brings the likes of you and me who trust in Jesus into his kingdom to be with him forever. And why does he do that? It is by his sheer unmerited favour. 
You see, what God gives is never payment for a life well lived, nor is what God gives something we earn or pay for. It is always grace. It is the grace we have to learn. But what makes it even more shocking as we think about this story a bit more, what makes it even more unbelievable is that though this gift is free to us, that God would give us not only all the blessings of this life, but that God would also give us eternal life. This free gift to us came at a cost to God. Free to us, hugely costly to God. Just like the landlord, it was his money. He didn't have to pay that much. It was his cost. You see, for the likes of you and me to receive God's free gift of grace, what did it cost God? It cost God his own beloved son. That's the heart of the Christian message. Jesus Christ sent from heaven to earth to live the life we can't, to pay the debt we were meant to pay for, to die the death we deserve so that we can escape death and enter into glory and to go home to be with our Lord. That is the shocking lesson we have to learn about God. It is the grace we have to learn. And so upon reflection, let me ask you that question again. Do you think God treated you fairly this year? When you look around and it seems like God has blessed others far more than you. When you look around and you see others suffering far less than you. You lost your job but they didn't. You struggled financially this year but it seems like others didn't. You got sick but they didn't. Has God been fair? What do you think? Well, what we have to remember is that God owes us nothing. God is no one's debtor. Instead, I think it is far, far more fitting to look at what we often do not see, and that is to count the blessings, to see God's kindness and favour at work throughout our lives and even through our lives. I mean, just consider this year. Health, the coronavirus... Australia, we came through extremely well. Of course, it's not over yet. We got off pretty lightly compared to so many countries around the world. But is it because we deserve it? Is it because we are more righteous than the other nations? Because we are more moral? Not at all. Not at all. But it is because of God's kindness. So count your blessings. Or consider the meals you've eaten this year, the food, your pantry, the food in your fridge at the moment. There was this period, remember, remember, during the pandemic where people felt we might run out of food and so there was all this panic buying and buying of toilet paper. But reflect upon the year. Did you have enough? Of course you did. All of us had our three meals, some of us even more than three meals a day. It was always, always enough because we deserve it. No, because of God's kindness. So count your blessings. Family and friends. 
This year highlighted all the more how important they are and to be with them and to be in fellowship with them. That is too also God's kindness to us. Count your blessings. Our spiritual walk this year. Now there is nothing that is wasted in God's economy. All the difficulties and pains of life, nothing is wasted. Because what happened this year when life was really tough? Did it cause me to pray more? Did it cause me to depend on God more? Did it cause me to reach out to care for my brothers and sisters more? Did it refine my faith? Well, that too is God's kindness. And so count your blessings. Or even the church. We did not see how important technology would have been to keep the people of God connected so that we could go on encouraging one another, praying for one another. And now to come to this point where we could celebrate Christmas together this past week and to be together now this morning and to meet weekly, and hopefully that will continue. We cannot take that privilege for granted. But is it because we deserve it? Well, no, it is because of the kindness of God. And so count your blessings. And so I think a way in which we can end this year well is to reflect but count the blessings. For God has been so gracious and merciful. And so has God been unfair? Well, no, in every way. Especially if you come to see and understand what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. To give you not just this life, but eternal life. And so now that the year's almost ended, it was no doubt hard. But let us end with deep gratitude, a heart filled with thankfulness because of God's grace to us. It is the grace we have to learn. Let's pray. O gracious Heavenly Father, how easy and how often it is for us to not see all your many blessings to us, all the ways in which you work for us and in us and through us, all the people you placed around us to love us and to care for us and to pray for us, all the many things that happen that goes behind the scene and is unseen by us. We praise you and thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. Give us hearts that are filled with thankfulness, for you are the God of grace who even gave your own son to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.